As people are starting to take their seats, I'd like to make an announcement before I introduce our visiting teacher tonight. Welcome to people who have not been here before. This is Mission Dharma, as you know, and welcome to our Tuesday night meditation. We are here every Tuesday night, but the announcement I'd like to make is that next Tuesday we are having our happiness hour. We've revived it, and it's now on the second Tuesday of the month. No particular reason why, just why it started up again. So our happiness hour is kind of an informal potluck. Well, it's not a potluck, actually. It's a bring-your-own-burrito night this month. We're revising it in many exciting ways. But on next Tuesday, you're welcome to come at 6.30 with a burrito or slice or whatever you bring from home or from local vendors in the area to come and meet fellow Sangha members and introduce yourself and just share a little meal together before we start and meditate. The meditation again will start again at 7.30 as usual. So we have the good fortune of having Will Cabot-Zinn here tonight as our visiting teacher. Howie is away for the next two weeks and actually Will will be here again next week. And Will is... Um, a meditation teacher. He teaches at Spirit Rock and other meditation centers around the country. He's been practicing intensively for the past 10 years in the United States and Burma and has completed the teacher training with Jack Kornfeld at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. He's also worked with incarcerated youth in the Bay Area in San Francisco and Oakland and has another hat as a MFT, a marriage family therapist intern, and with a practice here in the city and in Oakland. So we're really fortunate to have him here tonight. Howie was really excited that you're sitting in for him and gave you a big send-up. So we're all <laughs> we're all looking forward to hearing you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's nice to be here uh, filling in for Howie. Uh, I love Howie. You probably all love Howie too. Uh, he's, one of my, he's one of my favorites. I think we have a bromance going on. We, we, love, we love the same thing. That's always a nice, that's always nice. So, um, We end at nine. Nine, yeah. Can you hear me in the back? Yeah, okay. So what I'd, I think what I'd like to try to do is speak kind of briefly, just do a short talk, and then have uh, a little more time for us to talk with each other. That's always a little more interesting to me, you know, to see what's cooking for you and see what we can arrive at together. Uh, and also, since I'll be here next week, it'd be nice to just get a sense of some of you, too. Um, but I'll say something first. Uh, 
often there's a sense of um, there being something missing in our lives, some kind of lack or incompleteness. something that's wrong or just a little off. You know that feeling? A little off. Everything seems fine, but something's a little off. Often there's some, not all the time, some sense of something missing. And often we spend a lot of time and energy trying to fill that or fix it. Whatever it is, often it's a vague sense that we're trying to fill. And we do all kinds of things to fill that or fix that. We're very creative and repetitive. And we seek out new experiences. We try to get stuff that we think we will will do it. Material stuff. Sense stimulation. Relational stuff. Uh, New great experiences. Even meditative experiences. This is the energy of kind of going out to find something. And uh, we also engage in the search around um, becoming something, not just getting something, but also becoming something. (laughs) Just if I just became a little more this or if I just achieve this if I just become a meditation teacher or a I don't know you fill, fill it in for yourself But this energy of becoming, if I just become enlightened, man, then it's going to be all good. I just, as soon as I have some, as soon as I get a little better at meditating, you know, and I feel some steady mindfulness, calm. As soon as I feel calm when I'm meditating, then I'll really be somewhere. Yeah. That little leaning. You probably have felt that in your meditation sometimes. You're kind of leaning forward. Trying to make a little something happen. (laughs) Just to make it a little better than it is right now. So that's another energy. Becoming. And then we do the opposite of that, which is the unbecoming. You know, I'm going to try to not be something that I feel that I am. I just get rid of this part of myself or just, you know, 
eliminate those qualities that I want to put on extinction, those, as- those goofy aspects of my personality <laughs> that, fo- that, that seem to follow me around. No, just, we'll just get rid of a few of those things. Let's, let me get started. So it's just like a, you can feel that also as an energy, you know? It's a beating yourself up energy or a penance energy or a, you know, punishing yourself energy. Uh, you know, those are a few of our the directions we go in to fix this sense of there being a problem. And we may experience it as a problem with the world, or we may experience it as a problem with us as an individual. This problem is me. So we start trying to fix it. But what we discover after we live for a while, what we start to feel, hopefully, over time, is that somehow those strategies don't work. They don't work in a lasting way. Right? If they had, none of you would be here, probably. Unless you just come here just totally for fun. And maybe you do. That's beautiful. You know, but, but those, you know, after a while, and especially if we're paying attention, this is one of the beautiful things about practice. When we're not paying attention, we can do the same thing that doesn't work over and over again and not know it. And so we're still like investing a lot of, we're investing in this. You, know, you invest in things you believe in. You believe they work, so you invest in them. When you really don't believe something works, you, your organism doesn't let you invest in it. Invest your energy, invest your time, invest your... But So we believe, let's admit it. Let's have a confessional. You know, we believe that happiness can be found in getting stuff, in getting new experiences, and in becoming... And in unbecoming, we kind of believe it, on a, even on an unconscious level. So we invest in it. But this is what the Buddha called ignorance. It's delusion. It's not that there's no satisfaction in experience or becoming or, you know, yeah, you feel some satisfaction, you achieve something, it feels great. But not that ultimate, lasting fulfillment that you're looking for. But when we pay attention in a sustained way, we uh, we can actually see what's working and what's not working. We start to see what actually leads to happiness 
and what doesn't. What actually leads to fulfillment and what doesn't. So a kind of learning starts to happen, a kind of organismic learning. And then the suffering we experience from trying to become something as the ultimate. Then we, those energies are still there, but as we are conscious with it, we feel the suffering in that, in the very moment of leaning forward. There's a suffering in that. In that grasping at the, the newer version of me. There's actually a dis-ease inherent in that move. It's a very short distance. And you can notice this, just, you know, you're going along, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden there's a sense of, and there's a kind of agitation right there. Or in the pushing away, the eliminating, the desire to get rid of. when we're not making any of these moves? Right now. When we're not creating a future, something, me, when we're not making that mental movement Can you, can you feel that just for... There's actually a kind of... Um, there's something that's underneath even that feeling of being incomplete. There's something that's here now. It's uh, it's present in you, and it's the actually the basis of all experience. And it's this very simple awareness through which you are experiencing the world right now. This room. Your own body. Is there anybody who's not having any experience right now? So it's, you, you know, I mean, the evidence is that the world is manifesting to you, right? 
So this, you know, this simple awareness is a great mystery. I'm sure you've heard a lot about it from a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. Everything that arises to you as an experience is arising in, in this awareness, in your awareness, including the feeling of incompleteness, including the idea of you 2.0, the better version of you, including the idea of you as a miserable, terrible person, including this whole room, and including all of the sounds, and including when you're standing on the mountain and looking out as far as you can see. It's all arising in your awareness. So we just underestimate ourselves unbelievably. You know, we pass over ourselves as if we are just It's just the greatest miss in the world. It's like mind-blowing. We haven't kind of recognized what's here. So, in a way, you know, so you may just touch this for a moment. You may sort of sense it. You may just have a vague sense of it. You know, of your body is arising in awareness. Your experience of your body, it's just arising. It's so, um, the awareness is so perfectly functioning, it's amazing. Because I go like this, and you see it, and I'm talking, and you hear it effortlessly. You say, be aware of your body, and you're aware of it, you know. And then we just tend to not include all the stuff that happens in our mind and in our emotions. But that too is arising in awareness. It's conditioned, patterned. Even this whole idea of the future and whole idea of the past is just mental events arising in awareness right here. And this awareness is not going anywhere. There's no coming and going. It's always complete. There's no improving upon it. Anything that can be perceived as just arising within it, as, with this as a substrate. So the idea of completing yourself or fixing it is just silly. But we sometimes glimpse it, but it seems very... Uh, Hmm, I don't know. I'm not so sure. You know, is this really who I am? You say it's a fundamental, but it just seems like a little experience I have from time to time. You know? And the only reason it seems that way, that it seems like just something you may experience at times, like when you're in a great, beautiful place, and you just feel, oh, wow, this is just... This is all just me. You know? Um... It's just because the, the the habit of mind is living in a kind of a scattered state. And we're just caught up in this kind of busyness, mental busyness up here. And so the experience we have of presentness feels sporadic because occasionally we visit the present moment. We're like, oh, wow, I'm here. 
you know, and then something happens and we're gone, and two days later we say, hey, what happened? And then, oh, am I here again? Yeah. You know, so it's like virtual reality that we live in, future and past, ideas about ourselves. It's a virtual, you know, very amazingly magical virtual reality. Uh, and as we practice meditation, what, what do we practice? It's really simple. We practice coming out of virtual reality and being here f- for a moment. Okay, let's come out of virtuality and, oh, here we are. And then, oop. And then, oh, yeah, we come back. So <laughs> it's very simple, but over time, as we do this more and more, the, it, the place that we live from starts to shift, you know? We just start to, the percentages start to change until it's like from being up here all the time to, you know, and then at a certain point we're starting to be here a lot more. It's a lot more continuous. And when we're here a lot more, we start to see, oh, I've been here the whole time. It's just here. Actually, all that other stuff is just movements happening here. There's no... You can't fall out of here. (laughs) You really can't go anywhere else. It's just an illusion. So, that's why meditating is great. (laughs) And and it's really... It is simple, but uh, it's a practice, too. And it's wonderful to be here all together. So we... uh, encourage each other and when we're talking to each other we can practice being present and even if it feels a little clunky it's okay to seem like a weirdo for a little bit you know Uh. somebody asked me a question in the break about fear and this fear and anxiety especially arises where it arises in the gap between the present and the imagined future And the more we are living here, and the more we see the imagined future as just a movement of mind, it's not existing anywhere. This anxiety that whoever was referring to, it's just, it doesn't have a place to arise. It doesn't, it can only arise in that gap. And this is a process that we're all in, uh, so... Let's keep encouraging each other. Don't underestimate yourself, really. Um, It's this idea that it's somewhere outside of you that is the big uh, miss, you know? And then all of our energy, all this incredible energy that we're spending trying to find happiness is just going in the wrong direction. We exhaust ourselves... uh, Needlessly. In some teachings, they talk about it as standing in front of a target and shooting the arrows away from it. You're standing right in front of the target, but you shoot. So the target is just you, just you aware in this moment, looking out through your eyes, hearing, feeling. Got it?
so do you want to anybody have any kind of either questions or just things that are going on for you anybody on a, yeah Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a great point. So this is talking about we do have to plan for the future and we do have to think about what could happen and we do experience fear and anxiety. So what about that? It's not like you're trying to lock yourself in the present moment so that you don't, uh, you know, oh, let's just stay here and never make that mental movement to the future. Yeah, no, we'd, we'd lose our jobs. You know, <laughs> society would break down. Uh, I'll say two two things about that. One is, I think it just for me that the difference is where we're living from. You know, when we're living from the here more, the planning has a different quality. You know, it's, a, it's more grounded. It's more we're visiting that dimension. Consciously, but we're not when we're when we don't have this basis in the here and now. We we kind of live there, and then there's no ground. There's no. It's um. You know, it's just like any kind of thinking. Thinking is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. Like to be run by your thoughts, because they're habitual and they're repetitive and they, you know. So that's just one thing I'd say. And then the thing about fear and anxiety, uh, and this is the great paradox of Dharma, is the practice is to be, is to get comfortable with all of these states of, that arise. You know? How do we get comfortable with fear? You know, to not be afraid of it. And that's the practice, which is just being here for what's arising in the moment, which in this moment might be fear thinking about what I need to do and I feel I'm terrified. This is a very daunting task I have. So, you know, you can practice this in sitting meditation, you can practice this on retreat, and you can practice it in your daily life. Is rather than kind of trying to just pretend it's not happening, really embrace the fear as a felt experience. You know? In your body, where is it? What are its dimensions? Can you let it be big, you know. Uh, you'll find fear is actually quite tolerable, but it's really scary when we're kind of only half looking at it. It just seems vague and everywhere, you know, but the fear is in you. It's not out there. And that's just a good thing to inquire into. Where is this fear? Oh, it's here. You know, and I remember having this experience once on a retreat when I was experiencing tremendous fear with no kind of I didn't know what I was afraid of just everything was scary 
and I did a little inquiry. Well, where is this fear? You know, I mean, literally the trees looked scary daytime. Every, you know, and I, I just felt this movement in my body as just this kind of twisting, and it was like this energetic, you know, and. As soon as I felt that the fear was really in here, it, it was like all that fear out there went, whoosh. and I could feel this twisting and this moving. But as I looked around, the external environment looked beautiful all of a sudden. You know, it's like so that's a movement to really feel the fear. Then it's like, oh, it's inside of you. And then to let it do what it does. And um, it's just an energy like anything else. And this is what Dharma practice is about. It's about connecting with experience. Yeah? It's this awareness which allows us to do that. Yeah? It's this underlying awareness that allows us to be with anything. Yeah? But it's... Uh, you know, my when I was... Um, sitting a lot of retreats at one point in my 20s, my grandmother didn't really understand. And she asked me once uh, how long I was going to be retreating. You know? And the image I had was of like me just running away from life. You know, she kind of, I think she saw it that way. You know, like, I just took a look around the world and was like, no thanks, and I ran away. <laughs> You know, but actually, I think this practice is exactly the opposite. You know, it's like we're actually facing all of these states. You know, uh, and that's a very, you know, when we can be with all these inner states, that's all they are. They're inner states of mind. That's a very steady place to be operating from. Uh, it's very balanced. Uh, but again, that's a, a process. Is that helpful? Yeah? Okay. So get to know your fear. You know, make friends with it. And that's not just some kind of trite statement. That's actually the path of practice. I spent a lot of time, speaking of fear, I spent a lot of time uh, walking in the woods uh, in this place that I was living when I first started practicing and I was really afraid of the dark uh, I realized I was really afraid of the dark and I started doing a lot of walking in the woods at night just to watch my mind and it was fascinating uh, and I, I'd walk for a while and I'd feel really scared and I'd stand and be with the feeling just the fear and watch my mind create all kinds of really you know, all those movies you saw as a kid. <laughs> you know, just all these images and uh, somebody standing right behind you. You know, you get that prickly feeling, you know. And just, just to stand there and you start to see, oh, this is just, these are images. They're coming from the mind, you know. And the fear is a feeling that one can get comfortable with. Uh, and I went through a tremendous transformation around my relationship to the dark, you know. Uh, I wasn't afraid of the dark inside, you know, but, but somehow being out in the woods, really, a lot of images, you know. So, uh, anyway, you can practice with it in this kind of daily way, you know, it's really fun.
Yeah. So just in case you couldn't hear in the back, it was about how when she was on retreat, um, you know, after a few days got to this very kind of still point place and steady awareness and uh, coming off retreat for a while, there was a sense of being protected, of kind of feeling some insulation from all of the bombardment, the word you used, from, of the world. Uh, and then that went away. And so she goes and does retreats and goes into the woods and then comes back. And how, So the question is around how to deal with the bombardment and is there some way to... Um, You know, there's um, there's a kind of conditioning, condition change that can happen on from practicing. You know, like the mind gets still and steady, and and then it feels like a sense of protection and steadiness. You know, um, but the but there's something that's aware of that change. Mm-hmm which is just your awareness, you know? You're aware of kind of feeling protected and uh, steady and calm in the same way that you're aware of feeling bombarded and uh, aware of all the noises, things like that. So, I I really think that there's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a split, but a separation happening. You know, um, and actually, 
you know, I would say fundamentally there's no difference between being in the woods and being out here in the mission. Yeah? From the standpoint of awareness, let's just take the standpoint of awareness, and that's not a point, but we just use language. It's experience arising. So, to be in the knowing, and that's you, let's just say you, so there's a sense of grounding it. You aware of this and sound and even of fear or anxiety. What we're actually cultivating here is not a feeling of calmness. We're cultivating the steadiness of this awareness that is aware of all these different states that we experience, including states that feel great and states that feel horrible. Like fear feels bad, you know, we don't like that. And feeling, and the kind of sense of, you know, uh, feeling overwhelmed or whatever, is that doesn't feel good. But to really continue and make this your practice, don't privilege being off in the greenhouse, you know. Really uh, include this. You know, so that there's not a division, there's not a privileging of anything. Yeah? Uh, awareness is aware all the time. Yeah? Like you have, the, your awareness is on all the time. As you walk around and you don't bump into things, and you drive and you get to your destination, even if you're spaced out. So awareness, the lamp is lit. You know, you don't have to light the lamp. But the practice is being aware that the lamp is on. You know, we just become aware that we are already aware. Yeah? And so that is, it's that dwelling in this knowing. That's the steadiness that we're cultivating. Uh, and it, it's not a state. You know, we love wanting, we love chasing a state, you know, and sometimes you come off retreat and you feel great, you know, but um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, From the standpoint of awareness, the city is just like more stuff to illuminate the mind. You know, it's like all this content. Just, uh, but then there's our relationship to it. You know, so you can also look at your relationship to sound. You know, you might call it noise. You know, but that's a that has to do with our relationship to it, not to the object itself. That's another thing to play with. So we're, it's a very short night. I knew I would talk longer than I had planned. And then, so we're going to have to stop for this evening. Um, I think somebody's going to make the closing announcements, yeah. But um, do you want to do that and then I'll dedicate the merit? Can we stay a few minutes longer? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for... Uh, 
thank you for your presence and your practice. Thank you, Will, for your bringing us into the present. So we are here tonight thanks to the generosity of people's contributions of practicing dana. Our rent is $150 a week, and we practice our generosity monetarily by putting what what you can in our dana basket over there, or we also have um, a PayPal page on our website. You can make a donation that way, or if you would like to make a donation that's tax deductible, you may make that out to St. John the Evangelist Church and write Mission Dharma on the memo line, and that will be a tax deductible donation. So thank you very much for your generosity, as well as any dana that you may like to give to the teaching tonight. Anyone who takes this seat, Howie or any visiting teacher does this also on a dana basis. They do it out of generosity, and so any um, donation you'd like to give for the teacher would also be greatly appreciated. I also have another um, future Donna request, which is I'm looking for three or four people who know that they're going to be here next week and can meet me maybe in the back there after uh, Will dedicates the merit and we start closing up. We just need a little bit more help next week closing down, and a lot of people do help, but just to have identified three or four people to help next week would be greatly appreciated. So if, could anyone who can come next week and knows they're coming raise their hand so I can see? Great. Thank you so much. If We'll just meet over there by the panels back there. That'd be great. Oh, great. Thanks, Patricia. So thank you very much, and we'll, we'll be back next week, and thank you. So let's just sit for a moment and dedicate the merit. Um, it's considered, and I consider it, sort of very wholesome what we're doing here. You know, this desire we have to... Uh, wake up, whatever that means to us, to be here for our lives, to free ourselves from our uh, limitations, this limited sense of identity that we carry around, all these ideas about who we are, And I consider this of great benefit, not only to ourselves, but to all beings, uh, everybody we come into contact with. When you're at peace with yourself, to some degree, uh, it's contagious, you know. When you're awake to your life, that's contagious too. When you can be with your own suffering and all the various states of mind and body, uh, you can be with other people in their various states of mind and body with care and compassion 
openness, kindness. And may the merits of our practice today and our collective energy and intention and our willingness to look deeply into our own experience and to see things as they are. May this serve for the welfare and the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free. May all beings be happy and free. forward to seeing you all next week or whoever can make it.